0: Hey everybody. There we go. How are you guys? Good to see everybody. Come on in if you would. I'm proud of you guys. The cold didn't keep you away. Way to go. We got some pansies it looks like that stayed home and you can tell them we said that. Yeah. So no good to see everybody and welcome to D6 and uh, yeah it's good to good to have you here tonight. Hey um let me um um let me take you to your your handouts, so if you want to grab those, your cards on the center of the table. We've got a new virtue tonight, and the new virtue is kindness, um, and then you'll notice your bottom line for tonight is there's always time to be kind, so that's what we're talking about downstairs, and um, and then our new verse is do unto others as you would want them to do unto you, Luke 6, 31, so that's a, a verse again that we'd encourage you uh, just to lead your families in, okay? Um, cool. Well, hey, uh, we've got... Uh, Tim Weeby uh, with us tonight, tonight and next week, and I'm really excited to have Tim. I, um, I love Tim. I uh, he's a guy that just really lives what he teaches, and uh, I really appreciate that about him and um, and many other things about him. So I'm really excited to have him lead us uh, this week and then next week, and then we'll just conclude with one more week after that. So we go through. Just as a reminder, we go through March 11th. So we've got uh, two more nights after tonight. Okay. Hey, let me pray for us, and then we'll go ahead and we'll we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this group of parents that's gathered together. Lord, we want to just be sharpened as to how to be um, to be better at leading at home on the spiritual front, Lord. So thanks for this opportunity that you've given us, Lord. Thanks for Tim. I um, so appreciate him and pray that you would just really guide his words, and um, Lord, thanks for his role as a husband and a dad and as a pastor, and um, yeah, Lord, would you allow him, I pray, um, just to really, by your Holy Spirit's power, to be able to teach us tonight, Lord. So we love you, and uh, we commit this time to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Well,
1: again, my name is Tim. I I know a lot of you, but there's also, a lot of you that I, that I don't know, uh, but so let me start off this, this evening by just saying I'm excited to be here. Uh, I, I benefit tremendously from sitting, usually in the overflow room, because we're kind of usually the five-minute late family. We're one of the pansies, but so, so I benefit tremendously from, uh, from D6 myself. I know my wife does as well. And, the, and then we're one of you. I, I mean, so, so here's a picture of our family. I've got one of these up here just to help you get to know us, maybe. See if this kicks in. Maybe not. Maybe not. Try now. Try now. There we go. OK, so we so got four, four smallish boys. They're not so small anymore. Got a nine-year-old, seven-year-old, and twin six-year-olds. But, but, but I love pictures like this, because this is when everything looks nice and pretty. Seriously, like two minutes before this picture, Carrie was sprinting. My wife was sprinting across the backyard. Ch- chasing one of our boys who didn't want to stand quite so quietly for the picture, so, so it was messy, which I which I get, that's how a lot of life is, so here's a picture that we took a couple of years ago, this is this is more what our life is usually like, you know, with uh, with kids crawling over everything, somebody screaming at any given time, so so, so that's why D6 is so important, because because as, as a dad and a father myself, for my family, we need this anchor uh, in our week, just to help keep us pointed in the right direction. Our, our trajectory as a family is set, is set in this direction, but there's lots of things that can, that can distract us from that, that, that can be parts of the ups and downs of, of trying to lead your family spiritually uh, in a time and place that isn't always friendly to that in, in some ways, so, uh, so, so all that to say, I'm really excited to be here. My, my disclaimer is, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach on a lot of things that I need myself tonight as well, right? And so, 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 so the stuff I'm going to say, my wife will be the first to raise her hand and say, Tim doesn't get this perfectly at all. My kids are running around somewhere in the building right now. If you would interview them, our, our, like I said, our, tra- our trajectory is set this direction. But, but we're all in process of trying to pursue these values. So, so, so here's me saying, let's pursue them together. Let's set our trajectory towards the thing D6 is about, and then help each other towards that in all sorts of ways. So, uh, so Jeff prayed for us, but if, but if I can pray for us one more time, and then just kind of start things that way, we'll, we'll jump in. There are some handouts on your, on your tables, there's actually some fill-in-the-blank stuff, looks suspiciously like this, so get that in front of you in just a second, but, but let me start off with a word of prayer, if I can. Heavenly Father, God, do thank you for, for, for the privilege it is to, to be called to be parents. Father, for the blessings that offers, but Jesus, we, we also know that there's lots of responsibility involved in that as well, so so, so, God, by your grace, empower us and equip us and encourage us to, uh, to, to, to do this thing called parenting in a way that honors you. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for loving us first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, let me start off with a baseball illustration tonight. Full disclosure, I'm not the baseball guy at all. Uh, I don't really like baseball, but, but it's even because baseball doesn't really like me. Uh, I, was, I was the kid growing up, so this is me doing group counseling, uh, I, I was the kid growing up that, like, was, was always the last kid picked on the baseball team. I was okay on soccer, okay at football, but baseball is like, hey, we'll give Tim six strikes if you'll take him on your team, you know, um, or six outs, you know, that, that sort of thing, instead of just three outs before you switch innings, or it's like, move up, Tim is up to bat, that sort of thing that's, like, been branded in my memory. So, so baseball doesn't like me, I don't like baseball, but we're gonna, we're gonna take a swing at this illustration. Did you get that? See what I just did there? So, so basically at any given time on, on the baseball diamond there's a whole lot of activity going on. So so, so, the, so so the catcher is communicating with the pitcher trying to cue up a, a pitch that will get the batter out. The, the batter's warming up, getting a stance, grip on the bat, all that sort of stuff. Outfielders are clued into what's going on in the infield. Uh, there's a runner on base trying to figure out, do I want to steal or not? Can I make the base? There's always the hot dog guy that has, like, the hot dog shooter, that cool hot dog shooter thing that shoots hot dogs and T-shirts up into the stands. So, so there's a lot going on at any given time on the baseball field. But, but we all know that when you, when you, when you play baseball only one thing ultimately matters. The the most basic thing we probably all know. When you play baseball, the first thing is the most important thing. Keep your eye on the ball. Exactly. Everything else that's going on in the baseball diamond depends on the different pieces of the game keeping their eye on the ball. Because if the batter isn't keeping his eye on the ball, it doesn't matter how much he's warmed up, it doesn't matter what sort of stance he's got, how he's holding the bat, he's either gonna get hit or he's gonna get out if he doesn't keep his eye on the ball. If the outfielders aren't keeping their eye on the ball, they're gonna be that guy who who kind of is looking up into the stars while the ball flies right by him and they miss a play. There was one time we were in the stands on a baseball game, I wasn't really watching the baseball game. And the, the ball got hit, I wasn't, so I, I wasn't keeping my eye on the ball. Ball gets hit, comes flying at us, seriously lands, gets lodged right in this, right between the two seats, right in front of me. So if I would have had a glove or my hand out there, I finally could have gotten this wish I've never had of getting a ball that was knocked out <laughs> at, at a baseball game but I wasn't keeping my eye on the ball, and so I had no idea this thing was coming at me. The game of baseball depends on us keeping our eye on the ball, even amidst all the other flurry of activity that's going on there in the diamond itself and around the stadium. Parenting is like that. I think there's a, there's a flurry of activity that is always on our radar screen as parents. But, but even amidst this flurry of activity, we need to keep our eyes on the main thing, on the right thing. So uh, a couple days ago, I was thinking, and I'm like, what are some of the things that are on my parenting radar screen? Oh, we just lost it. Might need to pull it up on the... Oh, lost it again. Is close. OK, so, so here's a few things on my parenting radar screen. So, so for my kids, their friends, their social group, I know how influential that is in my, in my kids' lives because show me a person's friends, right? And that has some tremendous impact on who that individual turns out to be. Their achievements academically, with the activities they're involved in, leading my kids spiritually. I'm a pastor and that was the third thing that came to my mind. That should have been first, right? But, 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 but that's on most of our radar screens. We're here sitting in D6 on a cold Wednesday night because we want to help lead our kids spiritually. Paying for college, huge. Health and safety, where that time of year, where at any given time, one of our kids is usually sick. So that's on my radar screen. Discipline issues never go away. How they're using their free time. Are they getting enough of my time? Making the bedtime routine a success. Every night is a war zone at our house, trying to get four boys to lay still, lay quiet, and don't hit your brother, sort of thing. Teaching them responsibility juggling activity schedules. We had this run of like nine days where every evening we had something a couple weeks ago, super busy, and then seriously came to my mind, who's making supper? Always on the radar screen as well. So so we have all of these things on our radar screens as parents. There is a flurry activity on the diamond, on the baseball field. But we would all look at this list and say not all of those things are of equal importance. Some of those things certainly rise to the surface more than who's making supper and are they getting to tennis practice on time, leading our kids spiritually, teaching them responsibility, showing them what godly parenting looks like as Carrie and I try to love and serve and honor each other. Those sorts of things rise to the surface. So so the question we we need to ask tonight is, amidst this flurry of activity that, that pulls at all of us, What are the right things to focus on, and how do we do that? So so tonight, I want to zero us in on on the main thing, the the keep your eye on the ball type statement. And, And with parenting, the ball is the heart of our kids, ultimately, is what we'll be talking about tonight. There can be a whole lot of other stuff going on around us, but if we're not keeping our eye on the ball, on the hearts of our kids, none of the other stuff matters like it should. And so, so tonight, we're going to look at just one big statement and then unpack it. The statement is, is parenting our kids' hearts is both tremendously important, but if we're honest, we'll, we'll also say it's really hard, too. It's tremendously important, it's tremendously hard, but it can be done. So, so, so I want to spend some time looking at what the, what the Bible says about the importance of the heart, but then before we're done, I we want to make sure that we, that we get to the practical stuff showing we can do this. As important as the heart is, how can we get boots on the ground practical with really trying to lead our kids in this most important area? So let's look first at, at the Bible and the heart, a few big truths that we need to know. So, first big truth is the priority of the heart. Again and again in the Bible, we see that the heart is a really big deal. First place we'll go is in the words of Jesus himself. So, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees here, chastising them for some things they're doing and saying. And in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, he says, these people, the Pharisees, honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. That's a scary verse because the Pharisees have the behavior thing down. If you know anything about about the New Testament and first century religion, the Pharisees were the guys who got it right. Externally, they, they were doing everything the way it was supposed to be done, but Jesus says, no, I don't want to settle for just behavior because these people... These people have the behavior right. They, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts aren't engaged. Their hearts are far from me. So right there, Jesus shows us that the heart is really that big of a deal. Because he takes, he takes the cream of the crop, the PhDs, and he says, they're missing it because their hearts aren't right. So another couple verses we can look at. 1 Samuel chapter 16. When this guy Samuel is going to pick another king of Israel from the sons of Jesse... The Lord says to Samuel, he says, Don't consider this person's appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. He's looking at one of the sons of Jesse. And then listen to this, he says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Again, just reinforcing the value of the heart. Externals matter, but they're not what's ultimately important. The Lord looks at the heart. And then one more key verse. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Huge. And so so the reason the word heart is such a big deal is because this word isn't just getting at the organ that pumps in in our chests. I was asking my boys at supper, actually just tonight, saying, hey guys, why is the heart important? First thing one of my kids said was, because it helps you live, <laughs> right? That's true. Good, good work, Jaden, you know, a way to go. But, but, but it's more than that. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's not just the thing that pumps blood, but it's talking about the control center of our lives. It's talking about the seat of our will, of our affections, of our loves, the things that we, that we desire, that sort of thing. So, so the word heart is used over 750 times in the Bible, most of the times it's used, it's talking about this control center aspect of the heart. I love the way these guys, Ted Marky Tripp, say, say this. They, they, they talk about the importance of the heart in a really helpful book, Instructing a Child's Heart. They say, the heart is like a spring. All of our hopes, all of our dreams, and all of our desires gush from the heart. Every drive for meaning and significance originates there in the heart our behavior flows from the heart. It isn't caused by circumstances or other people, not not in some ultimate, deterministic way. No. The heart, with its passions and desires, this is the wellspring of life. So so the heart is a big deal. So if that's the case, then, then we need to factor the heart into how we consider ourselves, but also into how we parent. What does all this stuff have to do with the way we raise the children God has trusted us with? Another big truth about the heart that we look at in the Bible is that God wants our hearts. The heart is a big deal, and God wants it. The verse we talk about all the time here on Wednesday nights, Deuteronomy 6, Drives us home. Here, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. And then then Moses starts getting tactical. He says, Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and gates. So, so, so in the second half of this passage, there's this flurry of activity. But this isn't just activity for activity's sake. The stuff we do with our kids at, at home, in the car, when we're sitting, driving, anything else, is not just for activity's sake. Because in the first half of the passage, we said we see the reason. Because we want us and our kids to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. God wants our hearts. We're supposed to impress these things on our hearts, and then I think it's a very easy step to say, on the hearts of our kids as well. Matthew chapter 22, I think it's written in your notes too, but verses 34 to 40 or 37 to 40, depending on where you start, talks about the same thing where Jesus picks up this command. We read about in Deuteronomy 6, and he says the same thing. He says, The greatest commandment in the law... Is that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So so God wants our hearts. They're not just important, but, but God wants them because they're important. God wants them. Another big truth is that our hearts don't naturally want God. So here's the problem God wants our hearts, but our hearts don't want God. Let me read a few verses from the book of Romans. I don't think this is in your notes. So if it's not, you can write down Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. Give me a second to flip there. But look at everything Paul writes here about, about the, the natural tilt of our lives, the, the direction we're faced apart from Jesus Christ. He says in chapter 3, verse 10 of Romans, Says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Stuff that flows out of your heart, understanding and seeking God, all have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In this passage, Paul pretty much takes our whole body. He says, your throats, your lips, your eyes, your knowledge, your understanding, your seeking, your hearts, all of it doesn't naturally want God. And so, so since that's the case, what do we do? Jeremiah kind of just adds to this. In chapter 17, he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So, so the, again, just reinforcing that the tilt of our hearts leans away from God. And Jeremiah, I think he would agree with, with a couple ways this takes shape. This takes shape in, in some bad behavior, this deceitfulness of our heart can take shape that way, certainly in lying. Dishonesty, like unprovoked aggression, stealing, all the things that that we can probably relate to with our kids. But but the scary thing is, is that this deceitfulness can also take shape in good behavior that is merely external. Or it can take shape in good behavior that 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 flows out of wrong motives. One of my kids is a people pleaser. He's, he's compliant, so he makes other people happy. As parents, that's awesome, <laughs> you, you know? Because a lot of the times he'll be the first to obey. He'll do the thing we want him to do. He'll go out of his way. But his motive is, is to try to seek pleasure from me, to, to, to get approval. And ultimately, that's not what I want driving his behavior. Ultimately, he could end up doing some really bad things that we don't want him to do, if, if his driving motivation behind his behavior is approval and people-pleasing. So, so he's doing the right things, but, but this just shows us that, that we can't just settle for behavior. We need to get beneath the behavior to find out what, what are some of the internal things out of our heart that's driving that. So that's back to, that's back to Mark chapter 7. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They're doing the right things but their motivations are off. And so, back to our main statement. We, we've seen this a little bit already. Parenting our kids' hearts is really important and really hard. We, we've seen that priority of the heart. Hopefully we can feel it a little bit more now that we've looked at a handful of passages. They just lay this pile onto us saying, yep, the heart is really that important. But it's really hard because God wants their hearts, but their hearts don't want God. And so, so what do you do with that? Ultimately, as parents, there's nothing we can do to control it. But there's lots of things we can do to cultivate a heart that responds to God. So here's where I always use the illustration. Of my father-in-law, who's a farmer. Anybody come from farming backgrounds at all, so... You guys are probably gonna know all the ways I'm butchering this illustration, but but my father-in-law is a farmer. He spends all of his days trying to cultivate the growth of corn and soybeans, trying to cultivate the growth of these things, but he can never control them. He can't just snap his fingers and produce a crop that produces a certain bushel. Is that the right way to say stuff? Bushel of. Bushel a, a yield. There you go, now I sound official. You, 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 you can't just snap your fingers and, and control what sort of yield you get for corn or soybeans. So he he's works 50, 60, 70 hours a week devoting himself to something he can never control. But he knows how important his role is in cultivating, in cultivating the soil so that the yield will be good. So that way it will produce corn and soybeans, and they'll have food to eat and stuff to pay the bills. So, so as parents, we can never control how our kids turn out, but can we spend ourselves in the right way to cultivate the soil of their hearts so that way their hearts start to lean a little bit less towards themselves and, by God's grace, a little bit more towards Jesus Christ. Ultimately, What's part of that? And, and so, so here's the encouraging part that we've seen. So, so, so this can be done through, through cultivating the soil of our kids' hearts. But what, what we need ultimately is a heart transplant. What our kids need ultimately is a heart transplant. I'm not talking about some surgery they get at Children's Hospital. I'm talking about the fact that they need God to, by his grace, step in graciously in their lives and and take a heart that is naturally bent towards self and selfishness and re reorient it towards himself there's this great passage in the book of ezekiel which isn't a book we read all the time but but listen to this here's what the prophet says god speaking through ezekiel says i will take you out of the nations i'll gather you from all the countries bring you back into your own land I'll sprinkle clean water, you'll be clean. So there's a problem here where they need to be clean. I'll cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. And then listen to how, how this ends. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So, so this heart that is naturally tilted away from God, this, this heart that is naturally calloused, God says, I'll give you a new one. I'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Not simply an example of external obedience, but keeping God's laws out of a heart that wants to obey him. Man, that's what I want for myself, and that's what I want for my kids. And we, we absolutely need to point them not towards just polishing up the outside of the cup. This isn't Mary Kay spirituality, that as long as you look pretty on the outside, there's me sacrificing my man card by using the word Mary Kay. But, but this isn't just polishing up the, the outside of the cup and not caring what we're like on the inside. This is saying, okay, yeah, behavior matters. Everything Dave Schill said the couple times he was up here, absolutely important. Behavior matters. But behavior that flows out of, an, out of an inside, out of a heart that loves God, is ultimately what we are trying to cultivate as parents. And for that, a lot of that cultivation isn't just saying, don't hit your brother and brush your teeth before bed. That's not it. It's saying, Let, let's look to Jesus, who can, who can change our hearts and make it what it's supposed to be. So let's get practical How do we do this? How do we we help point our kids towards Jesus? How do we cultivate a heart that will lean towards him instead of away from him? Again, ultimately we can't. We can't control that, but there are things we can do to cultivate it. First thing is is we want to assess the heart. And what I mean by that is just having uh, having our, our radar screen up So that what's going on in the heart of our kids, we're we're kind of aware of. And so we're not just concerned about whether they brush their teeth or hit their brothers. But but we're also concerned about the stuff that's going on, that they're processing internally. Two really helpful ways to do that are, are, one, to listen. Listen to what they say. There's this great verse in Luke 6 that Jesus just says, Out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so by, by listening well to our kids, that's kind of a foot in the door, or that, 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 that that's a cracked open window into what's going on in their hearts. Kids will talk about the stuff they're feeling as long as we have ears to listen, parents. So, so, Again, after a long day at work, you've been working however many 8, 10, 12-hour days, sometimes you just want to go home and say, hey, let's watch some basketball. So your kids are telling you about their day, and it's kind of going in one ear and out the other. Parents, that's not good listening, you know? For, for me or for any of us, we, we need to be engaged when our kids listen. And what I've found is that we don't always get to choose when our kids are going to talk to us. And so we have this little routine. We try to do a lot of nights around the supper table where we'll go around and just talk about, hey, what happened in your day? Everybody has to share something, good or bad or in between. And so so we'll do that. So I'll get some communication from my boys at that time. But sometimes it's not until our oldest is laying down in bed that he'll really start to talk about what's going on. And not not just recounting events, but talking about how he's processing them or when we're driving in the car, just some of the side comments that they'll make. So, so it's not just us sitting down in some full house moment, you know, where we're suddenly I ask a question and suddenly they're engaged. No, it's, it's I need to be listening, so that way when they start talking, I'm immediately cued into it. When Carrie and I first started dating, it didn't matter what we were doing or where, she, where we were. If she called, I listened. If we were in the car, it's like she spoke, suddenly turn the radio off and you're dialed in. That's the, so it should still be that way with myself and Carrie. But that's also the way it should be with our parenting, right? When our kids talk, we, we cue into them and listen. So, so, so we listen. Assessing the heart includes listening. And then second thing, look at what they treasure. Look at what they treasure. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, I think it is says for where your treasure is there your heart will be also show me what somebody treasures and I'll tell you where their heart is so how do you figure out what people treasure I think the two things to look at are time and emotions where do they spend their time if they've got a free 20 or 30 minutes, what are they going to choose to do? If they've got a, if, if they got a free four hours, what are they going to choose to do? That, that's insight into what your kids treasure, which helps you know the things they value, so you can either breathe life into that or redirect it as appropriate. But then also look at the, look at the things that get them riled up. Hey, so, so look at their emotions. What do they get frustrated about? What gets them angry? What do they find pleasure in? Where are their hopes? Assess the heart and know where we want to encourage them but then but then as parents where to redirect them again when appropriate another thing is we want to address the heart and so once we've once we've done our best near as we can near as we can tell to find out where our kids are at what's going on inside of okay let's not let's not just stop with diagnosing where they're at but let's also become their coaches as well as we cultivate the soil of their heart and so one thing we can do towards that is is use their behavior as a doorway into heart conversations use the behavior as a doorway into getting to the heart so first thing I just need to say is this doesn't mean you neglect behavior house where they sit down, everybody hugs, you solve it in 15 minutes or 22 minutes. So so, so we need to deal with behavior. If our kids are stealing or hitting their brothers or lying or whatever else kids may be doing, we we need to deal with behavior. But we don't want to stop there. Instead, I I think we want to push past that and, and ask some of those things that can help us say, okay, why are you hitting your brother? Why are you lying? Why did you steal This little colorful packet of post-it notes from from like Office Depot. We were in Office Depot. I see him like totally do the thing where he like looks around. He doesn't know I'm watching him. Lifts open his coat, puts the like these pink, orange, and blue post-it notes in his jacket, closes it, then kind of walks on. And so, so the first thing I want to do is, okay, go put it back, buddy. You, you know, I mean, so we have a little address the behavior conversation. selfishness is a lack of contentment i, I mean so, so 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 there's there's a heart issue behind that one of our kids who will go unnamed tends to be more aggressive than the others he'll he'll lash out with a fist or a knee or a foot when he doesn't get his way he's just he's just our our physical one so as i talk with unnamed boy uh of mine you know we'll we'll be talking about not just okay it's not just don't hit your brother, but it's also, buddy, why are you so angry that you did that? So so what I try to do is I try to even use heart language. And I don't just stop with a physical act, the external action, but it's, okay, what's going on in this heart? Maybe that's leading to this because I don't want him just not to hit because fast forward 25 years, that anger, simply, that's just where I remind any of our kids that, okay, let's not get angry. God wants us to be show what God wants from our hearts. Another thing is point out how how we fall short as parents and and let me, let's even personalize that a little bit more. Show out sh- point out how I fall short as a parent. Because this isn't hey hey Jaden, man, your mom really blows it all the time over here. This is this is hey Jaden, yeah. Uh you've seen how impatient I can get. This is so so your parents know that this just stuff you're imposing or coercing them into, but this really is that important for you. And so, so the, the thing we need to make sure to acknowledge here is, is make sure you're working on this yourselves too as parents. We're not just parenting our kids' hearts. We'll talk about this more next week. Parenting is also a great occasion for us to work on our hearts as moms and as dads. Our kids need to see that. Like a two-minute discipline monologue, where where I give them insight into here's the ways I blow it, here's how I'm trying to work on it, in age-appropriate, context-appropriate ways. And then, second, highlight the offer of a heart transplant without using that language, you know. So don't scare your kids into thinking there's going to be surgery involved. (laughs) But, but. not just don't hit get better get out of here sort of thing but it's okay let's let's pray and let's ask Jesus to work on these rough edges of ours that need to get shaped off highlight that offer of a heart transplant and then don't manipulate never manipulate or try to force outcomes so it's not us holding our kids down until they say don't manipulate your children parents be very concerned about your children's spirituality but don't manipulate them pray like crazy set a consistent example instruct your child in the essentials as best you can be sensitive to his or her spiritual development all these things we've been talking about good stuff to do but don't be a nervous nelly or a nervous Ned. centric world where we're trying to produce certain outcomes you know our kids by the way are not outcomes they're children who are created in the image of god that we have the privilege and the responsibility to steward for 18 years until we send them on We're working on our heart change ourselves in a way that our kids can see. And then finally, we pray. In my notes, I have pray till your knees hurt, you know, or pray like crazy. Whatever it takes to emphasize that that prayer is that big of a deal. This is the thing I need to hear. As, as, as 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 I was writing this, this is convicting for me because I don't pray enough for my kids. I pray for them, but not enough. And maybe you never can, but but this is kind of the one practical area that I want to take some measurable steps to grow in myself as a result of this. And so here's the crazy convicting quote that Kent and Barbara Hughes, again, mentioned in their book, really helpful book, Disciplines of a Godly Family. So so they say, our Bible and common sense tell us it is absurd for Christian parents to read books about how to be better parents if they don't pray for their children. Ah, convicting. Uh, Can I get personal here for a second? It's absurd for Christian parents to attend classes on how to be better parents if we don't also pray for our children. Because this isn't just our children. So some parents insist that their children attend church and Sunday school and youth group and that they memorize scriptures and attend Christian schools. These are all okay things. These are all good things. But at the same time, parents do this while having no prayer life on their behalf. We say, Lord, I don't have time to pray. I'm too busy making sure my children have a Christian upbringing. It's a good goal, but sad. side d6ers let's let's understand that that with all of our effort that is absolutely good and important and that i want to encourage us in it's not just up to our effort we need god to act in ways that i simply can't in the hearts of my kid my children to point them towards him and so so this is where prayer and then uh jeff are we close enough to 720 do we do we just dismiss there's a few questions there on the back of those that uh that that as you talk if you're here with your husband or your wife or go home and unpack it with them some questions that can help help you get to the bottom of this and and reflect on this on your own in some ways so i would encourage you to to make the most of those if um if you want to do that let me pray for us and then we'll We do our work of trying to raise our kids in a way that honors you, Father, and your son Jesus Christ. So Father, help us to be parents who pray for our kids. Father, help us in all of the ways we've looked at tonight with with looking not just at behavior. So I thank you so much for all the parents that, that are in this room, but also that this room represents just so many Brooksiders and D6ers who, who care so deeply about our children. So, Jesus, may you breathe fresh life and encouragement and value um, into, into this privilege of parenting that you've allowed us to do. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us first, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, next week, we spotlight a little bit on our hearts as parents.